Well, today is the uh, very first Sunday in the season of Advent, the time of preparation and anticipation of the coming of the Lord. And uh, once again, I want to welcome you, each one, to uh, our service today. Uh, Today and for the next, uh, all the Sundays in December, we're going to be looking at um, the gifts that God wants to give to his children. And that's why these beautifully wrapped gifts up here to remind you that uh, God wants to give you some extraordinary things. And the thing that we're focusing on today, as you heard in the lighting of our Advent uh, wreath, is um, actually we lit the Advent candle. If we light the wreath, that's a whole different problem. But uh, as we do that, uh, we remind you that uh, the first gift that God wants to give to you is the amazing gift of peace. I just want to uh, acknowledge uh, that, uh, as, as Ryan did, we had a, a great number of people that helped decorate our church and make it look festive for the holidays. And I want to thank them for that. Also, last night we had a, a meeting here at church. It was for all of the covenant churches in Arizona. Now, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not. There's, I think, 10 covenant churches, uh, three in Tucson, including a Hispanic church, and then seven in the Phoenix metro area. So from Tucson to Cave Creek, uh, we invited all those churches to come to our church and have a celebration of all covenanters. So uh, we had a wonderful time last night. Uh, I know many of you were here, but it was just a great way to celebrate what God is doing in the larger kingdom of God in our denomination. And I'm very proud of our denomination, who we belong to, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And um, if you're interested in uh, especially the message last night, Ephraim Smith, who was the superintendent of our conference, uh, he preached a powerful sermon last night. In fact, uh, 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 curiously, when he got here and he told us what his sermon was, the title of his sermon was The Gift of Peace, which is the title of my sermon. And, uh, and the scripture text is Romans 5.1, which is also the text that I selected. So he and I did not conspire to this, but uh, I think it'd be really uh, behoove you if you went to our website and saw what happened at that service last night. It was really, really a neat experience. Well, it's that time of year again. Uh, Thanksgiving is over. Uh, We do have a small amount of uh, cornbread stuffing in the back of our refrigerator. Uh, Black Friday is over. Thank God. Wow. Cyber Monday is past, and I have no idea what that is. And uh, now the first Sunday in Advent, announcing the good news that Jesus Christ is coming to our world. But alas, for most of the world, uh, we are woefully unaware of the real meaning of Christmas. In midst of all of the holiday cheer and yuletide greetings, few say Merry Christmas anymore. And unlike Charlie Brown, the family of Clark Griswold seems to be absolutely clueless to the real meaning of Christmas. I'd like you to take a look at a scene from my favorite Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation. Let's take a look. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, oh, great. 
Cousin Eddie stands up and he starts uh, with that. You know, we laugh at this, but, you know, the world really is basically completely unaware of what Christmas is all about. And Bethany can be forgiven for her lapse. She's well into her 80s. But we have no such excuse. And the reason we have no excuse is that we've been told the truth. Um, a little bit later in the service, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to have our children come in and uh, participate in communion by receiving a grape. And it uh, reminded me of one of our children, uh, Abby, uh, who is uh, four years old, uh, Robin Carey's uh, little daughter. Uh, last week, uh, when she was with her mom, uh, they were out, and uh, Abby saw some Christmas lights for the first time. And she said, Mommy, look at those lights. Those are lights for the Lord. And even she, she said that, I could hear Pastor Barb over in the children's area say, these lights represent the Lord. These are lights for the Lord. And so every time little Abby Bennett sees lights, she says, Mom, Dad, these are lights for the Lord. Now, if four-year-old Abby can get this right, so should we. This Advent season, we are going to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. What a surprise, right? And specifically... I'd like to look at the tradition of sharing Christmas gifts with those with those that we love. So let me ask you this. How many of you love to either give or receive or both gifts? How many love to give and receive gifts? Very good. Uh, in the first service, there were several people that didn't raise their hands. And I just said, bah humbug. Uh, in your case, you're all on board. We love gifts, giving and receiving and sharing the abundance of what God has blessed us with. We love Christmas gifts. My favorite Christmas gift memory is uh, the year I was uh, 15 years old. And um, in those days, um, when we had Christmas, uh, we got one, one gift from our parent. And we would get one gift from my maternal grandparents and one gift from my paternal grandparents. And so every child in the family got one gift. And we never thought that that was anything weird about that, but uh, that's what we did. But this particular Christmas, I prayed and asked God to give me three gifts. I'd never done that before. Terrible theology to ask God for stuff, you know. But I did it anyway because, you know, how could it hurt? And so I prayed and I asked God for three specific gifts. I asked for a watch. I'd never had a watch. I asked for a Bible but not the Bible with the picture of Jesus and the Lamb on front. You know, a real grown-up Bible, leather and everything. And then I asked for a real leather football, not a plastic football. Well, come Christmas morning, 
uh, under the tree were all of the gifts. And uh, there were three gifts under there for me. And as I opened them up throughout the morning, the first gift I got was from my parents. And it was a Bible, a leather Bible with my name engraved on it. And then I opened up the gift from my uh, from Grandma and Grandpa Price, my paternal grandparents, and they gave me a watch. And then I said, is this possible? And then the third gift I opened up from Grandma and Grandpa Cross was a leather, official NFL leather football. I love gifts. I don't know about you, but when you do it with the right spirit, the right heart, giving is wonderful. Now, a very little known fact about giving gifts is that it is a very Jesus kind of thing to do. In fact, uh, in some places in the world, Sweden is an example of that. Uh, when it's your birthday, the tradition is that you'll receive birthday gifts, but you also give every guest at your birthday party a gift as well. And so in the great tradition of Sweden, on Jesus' birthday, not only do we give him gifts and the gifts he wants from us is the gift of our heart, but he wants to give us presents. And those presents are found in a marvelous chapter in the New Testament in the, the epistle to the Romans. Again, last couple of series, we've been spending a lot of time in the first century A.D. Once again, in the first century, Paul wrote this book the book of Romans, and in the fifth chapter, the first 11 verses, it explains this beautiful list of gifts that uh, God wants to give us because of his son, Jesus. Now, listen to these amazing gifts. As I read this to you, uh, just try and tick off in your mind the gifts that you hear that God wants to give you in Christmas of 2012. This is the word of God for Hope Covenant Church. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. And you're saying, I don't want that gift. Well, hang on. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Isn't that a beautiful gift? We'll talk about that later in the series. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But listen to verse eight, Romans five, eight. Some of you learned this when you were children. But God demonstrates his own love for us, for you in this. While we were yet sinners, while we were still sinning, while we were still in the midst of our sin and our brokenness, while we did that, Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait until we cleaned up our act. He didn't wait until we got our stuff together. He didn't wait until we were all good and neat and tidy. He died for us while we were sinners. Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only only is this so, 
But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Isn't that beautiful? And I thought if you heard, there's probably about seven or eight or nine, depending on uh, what you heard, different gifts that God wants to give us at this Christmas season. Each week, I'm going to highlight one of those gifts. And it's kind of represented by these gifts that you see here on the stage. The gifts that the Heavenly Father wants to give to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the first gift that we find in that wonderful passage is the gift of peace. The Hovey family uh, introduced us to uh, this amazing gift of peace. And that's what I want to share with you today. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, what an incredibly powerful word. Charged with universal longing for harmony and unity on earth. In fact, the phrase that you read and hear more than any other phrase during the Christmas season, I think this is thanks to Hallmark, is the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, we may not hear a lot about Jesus at Christmas time from the world, but we will hear a lot about peace. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Um, uh, several years ago, I did a sermon on peace during Advent. And uh, what I did is I, I went back and looked at the last eight wars that uh, we've been involved in. And after each of those wars, I took a quote from the president and everyone was similar. It said, now that this war is over, civil war, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, uh, Iraqi war. Now that this war is over, we can finally have peace throughout the world. Well, there's a problem with that. And that is that it never happens. No matter how much we want it, no matter how much we grab it, no matter how much we pursue it, we don't seem to have that gift of peace. And I want that gift. I want that gift for me, for my family. I want that gift for my church. I want that gift for my country. I want that gift for the world. I want the gift of peace. Goodwill toward men. It's just not a reality today. And it seems like no matter how hard we search for peace, and ironically, no matter how hard we fight for peace, it's just elusive and forever out of our grasp. The Apostle Paul recognized this uh, 2,000 years ago when he wrote in 1 Thessalonians these words. People are crying Peace and safety, yet destruction will come upon them. Man, those words of Paul could have been written today. Peace and safety, yet destruction will come upon them. So we find ourselves in this uh, very real tension, uh, this very real dilemma. We find ourselves between what St. Augustine, we've talked about this the last couple of series, what St. Augustine calls, we're stuck between two kingdoms, the kingdom of man the kingdom that is bound to this planet, you know, the, the blue rock that our feet are solidly planted on. That's the kingdom of man. And in that kingdom, for some reason, we're never able to find peace. Never. We get a peace for a nanosecond and then somebody's going to break out in a fight. Uh, over the uh, uh, weekend, la- last weekend, I was kind of um, bemused and amazed by uh, Black Friday. Now, part of it, and I have no problem if you like to go to Black Friday, get up early or the night before and all that. That's that's awesome. I just I just don't I can't do that. But what I was interested in is in the name of Christmas. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. 
I entered into the computer, Black Friday, fights. And boom, hundreds of sites popped up on YouTube and all. And whether and it wasn't just don't just blame Walmart. It wasn't just Walmart or Kmart. It was Macy's and it was all these big upper. And there was these fist fights and people going at it. And, you know, you can almost hear the music. Peace on earth. Goodwill. Well, they're beating the heck out of each other. And, and wow, what's happened? You know, we want peace. We even talk about it at the Christmas season. Hallmark constantly reminds us, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But we just can't access it. We don't know how to do it. Doesn't work. So the kingdom of man, no peace. But God promised in the kingdom of God, that's what we call the big kingdom. Kingdom of man is the little kingdom. Kingdom of God is the big kingdom. That's the kingdom that will be forever. And that's the kingdom that promises peace without end. And it's a kingdom that says there will be peace eternally. And that we want. But how do we live in this little kingdom with a big kingdom heart and a big kingdom soul? Well, that's what uh, the writer of uh, uh, Romans, Paul, and uh, told us about how we can experience this peace. Because the world doesn't see it. The world looks at us. Uh, at the 10-minute party after the first service, we talked to a new couple. And uh, really a neat couple. And they were talking about how that... Um, uh, the woman said, there's a disconnect between what I hear Jesus said and did and what the church does. Well, that's what our whole series was on what is a Christian. Remember that from two series ago? And there's this disconnect. And, and that's what we see. The world sees that disconnect. They say you're, you, you, you love God and you, you love Jesus, but look at the way you treat each other. Look at the way you treat the world. Look at the way you point fingers. Look at the way you name call. Look at the way you're always saying you people. You know, look at that. What's wrong with that? And that tension is very real, especially at Christmas time. It's no wonder people want to get away from Jesus being in the manger. They don't buy it from us. Why should they buy it for themselves? They don't see it in us. Now, the one who kind of speaks really beautifully to this is um, that famous Irish rocker, Bono. And uh, I'm just old enough to really appreciate Bono and you two. And uh, one of the songs he wrote a few years ago was called Peace on Earth. And let me read you some of the lyrics from that song. Jesus, the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth, here at every Christmas time, but hope and history don't rhyme. So what's it worth, this peace on earth? You know what? You may not like those lyrics, but that's exactly what the world believes. The world says, you know, you guys talk about peace and love and joy, but we don't see it in you. So how are we going to access that? Well, Jesus comes along and tells us that we can live that kind of a life, that we can experience that kind of joy, that kind of peace and that kind of freedom. It's a dilemma. It's a problem. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the dilemma like the uh, zookeeper who allegedly discovered the key to a peaceable kingdom. In the same cage, he kept a lion and a lamb. That's pretty remarkable. And when asked how he accomplished it, he responded, Oh, it's easy. I just put in a fresh lamb every morning. Well, that's not the best way to keep peace. You know, that's the way the world does it. You know, if we just keep our enemies from having, uh, you know, atomic bombs, then there'll be peace. If we just keep the bad guys from having guns, you know, that's not the way it works. We want peace. We just don't know how to get it. But there's one who not only wanted peace, He talked about peace, he lived peace, and further, he promised peace. 
Even Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, said it this way. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. That's what he was saying when he was getting ready to leave the planet. My peace I leave with you. You say, oh, that sounds pretty good. I want Jesus' peace. But then what he said is this. My peace I give you. He didn't say, peace on earth, goodwill to men. He didn't say, uh, you know, if you stop beating up each other, there'll be peace. He said, my peace. I'm not going to give you just some ordinary peace that you might conjure up yourself. I'm going to give you my peace. And that is the peace that God has promised us at this time of year. So what I want to look at today is what the peace of Jesus looks at. And I think there's three parts to this peace that Jesus wants to give us. The first is this, that peace is from God. You're not going to find peace aside from God in your own soul. You're not going to find peace apart from God in the world, in our country, in our families, in our places of work, in our schools. You're not going to find that peace because peace is from God. Now, thousands of years of history have taught us this lesson. No matter how often we think we're going to have peace, it doesn't last more than a day until somebody else in the world takes out a BB gun and shoots somebody else. And in retaliation, they take out a 22. And after that, they take out a bazooka and, and then you're off and running. Peace is not available to us from God, uh, outside of God. We can't manufacture it. It can't be forced. It cannot be created by sheer will. Peace can only come from the author of peace, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And again, it's not just any peace. It's, Jesus said, it's my peace. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, the day will come. And some of us believe that that day may be soon. The day will come when we don't celebrate the first advent. That's what we're doing right now. But we celebrate the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible says at the end of times, when God says it is enough, I've seen enough, we're going to fix this thing. We're going to make all things new. That Jesus Christ will come back to this planet. He will return. And he says, I will make all things new. And I will make peace. It's not just that he'll be next to peace. He said, I will make peace. One of the great uh, prophecies in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 9. It's one of those hundreds of passages that prophetically talk about the coming of Jesus. And remember, Isaiah wrote... 700 years before Christ was born. So he's writing prophetically about the coming Messiah. And when he did that, this is what he wrote in Isaiah chapter 9. He said, for unto us, a child is born. You say, well, that sounds like, uh, you know, that sounds like uh, Handel's Messiah. Well, actually, Handel got it from the Bible. So, you know, for unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, say this with me, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God says one day. I'll put an end to all of this war and all of this fighting. My son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will come to this planet for the second time. He came the first time as a baby. The second time, he will come as a judge. 
And when my son comes back again, he will establish all things will become new and he will establish peace. And that's the peace that you can depend on. That's the peace that will last forever. That is the peace that is eternal. What's interesting about this is that we don't just have to wait for that. Because the peace from God that we will experience one day is also a peace that can be in us through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that when Jesus does come and establishes that new kingdom, that there'll be no tears. Imagine that. No sorrow. No terrorists. No fighting. Glory. No Black Friday. (laughs) No divorce. No killing. No evil. Peace will come and it will become, and it will come because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. There's a wonderful story that most of you are familiar with from the Gospels. It's found one of the places in Mark chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter. And in Mark 4, it describes how that Jesus is out on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. And they're out fishing. And uh, that's what they did. Uh, Several of his uh, disciples were fishermen. And they were out on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And if you study sometimes uh, some of the geography and the climatology of the Sea of Galilee in the Israel region. There's two kind of mountain uh, mountain uh, ranges, and both of them kind of have this funnel system that comes right in on the Sea of Galilee. So sometimes you'll have these two winds, like it's like, like in a wind tunnel. And those winds will come swooping, and they'll just kind of collide and make like a perfect storm. And so there are times on the Sea of Galilee when from almost nothing, you'll have this tremendous storm that is deathly and That's what happened when they were out fishing. Now, the disciples became very afraid. Now, that's unusual because they're fishermen. They know how to handle these things. They know what to do, but they were terrified. So this must have been quite some storm. And they were especially upset and kind of agitated that Jesus was with them and he was sound asleep, sitting in the back of the boat sleeping. How can you sleep at a time like this? So they wake him up and this is what Jesus does. He stands up. I'm sure he stretches, kind of get the sleep out of his eyes. And then he says this, peace be still. And the Bible says the winds and the waves obeyed him. And they became calm and the storm stopped. Now, when he said, peace, be still, I'm sure he was talking to the wind and waves. I think he was more talking to the disciples. Would you guys recognize something here? You're in the presence of peace. Now, yeah, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of a divorce, even in the midst of bad finances, even in the midst of children that are, that are off the rails, in the midst of all, yeah, even in that, Jesus said, I'm still the peace. Peace is not about your surroundings or your circumstances. Peace is something in you, knowing that you and the Prince of Peace are one in one. Jesus said, I am peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Peace is from God when we experience that personal relationship with Jesus. When Jesus is in you, when he is standing right beside you, you have peace. In the midst of the worst storm, in the midst of the worst hurricane, in the midst of the worst circumstances, you can experience that peace. Peace is from God. But there's something else in Romans 5.1 that really kind of touches my heart, and it's this. Peace not only from God, but peace is also from us. More personally, peace is from you. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace.
Peace starts by taking personal responsibility of your peace in your home, at your workplace, in your church, when you're out driving and somebody cuts you off, when you're in the worst circumstances, when you find out that you have cancer, when you find out that your husband's left you, when you find out these worst circumstances, peace begins with you. Individual responsibility for peace. I remember when I was um, just a boy, uh, it was one of those uh, schoolyard fights uh, that uh, most girls don't understand this. But, you know, boys, their testosterone is starting to pump into their body. And I was 11 years old in the sixth grade. And some boy did or said something to me that set me off. And so we decided we're going to have a fight after school. And so uh, we get after school. Now, we're talking about two 11 year olds. We're not talking about teenagers, but kids pretty much. And so we get out there, and of course, there's all the kids are gathered around a big circle, uh, you know, uh, sniffing blood. And, and, and so me and this other boy, we get in there, and we're kind of, you know, going like this around. And we kind of danced in there. We did that for 10 minutes. Neither one of us ever threw a punch. We did that for 10 minutes. And finally, we're like this, and the other kid whispers to me, he said, he said I'll stop if you stop. And I said, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Yes, I'll do it. So we stopped. You take personal responsibility for your peace. Conflict with your husband, your wife, conflict with your boss, conflict with your child, your parent. You take personal responsibility for your peace. So many times in our world, there's this tension between peoples, between people groups. Uh, the Republicans hate the Democrats. The Democrats hate the Republicans. Uh, straight people hate gay people. Gay people hate straight people. And blacks hate whites and whites hate blacks. You know what? None of that should have anything to do with us as Christians. Those who deliver Jesus gospel through love. It should be only about how can I make peace with you? The Bible says it this way in Romans twelve eighteen. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not live at peace with people that are like you. That's too easy. Not at peace with people that you're supposed to like, but you live at peace with everyone. Go knock on your neighbor's door. Ask him over for a dinner. Find someone that's a different color or nationality than you and build up a relationship. Find someone who's broken and hurting and sad and lonely and invest your life into their life and do it with the love of Jesus. Peace begins with you. Once you've experienced the peace of Jesus, peace begins with you. Take personal responsibility for your peace. You know, look at those YouTube fights and they're doing it while the music is going on. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I say, man, somebody's got to start saying, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Peace comes from us. The decision to stop fighting is on you. The decision to stop saying and doing the wrong thing, it's on you. You are a believer. Make sure you believe and you live what you say. Peace begins with you. There's one last thing that really wraps up this whole thing. And it's this. Peace is within you. Peace is not only from God. Peace is not only from us. But peace is within you. Remember Psalm 122.80, uh, the psalmist said, Peace be within you. Peace is not something that is commanded or legislated. It must be caught. It must be captured. And it must be possessed. Mother Teresa, when she accepted her Nobel Prize, I forget what year, I think it was 1987. When she accepted her Nobel Peace Prize, this is what she said in her acceptance speech. 
All of the works of love are works of peace. We do not need bombs and guns. We need love and compassion. Let us learn that unless we are full of God, we cannot give that love. We cannot give that peace to others. End quote. Do you hear what she said? To be full of peace is to be full of God. You're not going to find peace any other way. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. And when Jesus Christ died for your sins, all those things that you were at enmity with God, at no peace in your life, no peace in the world, all of those things that you have, God says, I'll take all of that enmity on me and I'll give you my son, Jesus Christ. If you want peace, this is peace. If you want peace, it's only found in Jesus Christ. Not found anywhere else. And Jesus said, if you give your heart, your life to me, I promise you, I will not only forgive you of your sins. That's pretty cool in itself. I'll not only promise you that you'll have eternal life, but I promise you, you'll have peace in the kingdom of God. And listen to this. You'll have peace in the kingdom of man. (laughs) You'll have peace in the little kingdom. You'll have peace right now. Yeah, I know there's a lot of fighting and stuff going on, but you can have peace right now when you have Jesus Christ in your heart. This Christmas, God wants to give you the gift of peace, but he can't give you that gift unless you accept it, receive it, the gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace. That peace begins right now, today, and it can last forever. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me, please?